Welcome to On The Fly, a Financial Literacy Institute podcast, where our mission is to teach the financial literacy skills we should have learned in school. We cover financial basics, investing, business ownership, real estate, and everything in between. On The Fly. Hey guys, how you guys doing today? Doing well. I love it. I love it. Zach, how you doing? Fantastic. Could be better. Oh, that's great. And then Hafiz. Oh my goodness. Special guest on today's podcast. <laughs> Hafiz Beoku. This is a long time coming and you have no idea how much we appreciate you tonight. How are you doing? Man, I, I was doing good until you butchered the last name, man. So <laughs> you Nigeria, see? Uh, my guy. Yeah, my Nigerian brother. Yoruba. Baoku. Baoku. But are you Yoruba though? Yes, yes. Mm, Muslim though. Uh, my dad is, but my, but my, but Hafiz is an Arabic name. Yes. Mm, that's right. Okay. I remember we talked about that in Atlanta. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hafiz, again, we are so grateful to have you here today. And you know what? I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, because as I was telling Sean and Zach before tonight, that you are a busy man, you've got a lot of stuff on your plate and you could be anywhere this evening, but you're here with us, spending some time with us and we appreciate you. Um, but yeah, no, let's hop right into it because I am so excited and absolutely thrilled for tonight's podcast because we have the most special guest, in my opinion, thus far, Hafiz from the Roommates and the Affluent Center, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, but yes, I'm your host, Olenka Fambadu from On The Fly Podcast. I got my co-host, Sean Lacey and Zachary Owen. And again, we have the special guest, Hafiz. Hafiz, I know all about you and I'm excited to learn more about you. But can you tell us a little bit of who Hafiz is and what he's all about? Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. Now, to me, um, my purpose is to use the tools and gifts that God has given me to help transform the lives of men. So I have been doing that in many different venues, whether I was a teacher, filmmaker, um, author, and, you know, YouTuber, podcaster. Now we have a, a luxury suit company called The Standard, where we're specialized in creating communities of extraordinary men. So to me, my whole life mission, vision, and purpose is to see men win and blossom. And it's been a privilege to be able to see it for all these years. That's beautiful. Now, you know, I remember when I first heard about The Standard. Well, actually, let's go back a little bit because The Roommates, one of my boys, I know he's going to listen to this. And he actually was the one who accompanied me at that Atlanta show, Tyrone Johnson. I know, shout out to you. I know you're going to uh, tap into this podcast. When he put me on to you guys, which was probably like early fall semester of 2021, I was like, this is a fresh take on, you know, masculinity and male development. And that's just something that I'm super passionate about. And Sean and Zach know that. And you guys, you guys just talk about it so biblically. And so in such a way that's just like, you know, politically correct, sure, but also in a way that's mature. And I, and I love that. And I appreciated that. So I tapped in more. I tapped in further. And I'm not only a guy who has a passion for finance, but I'm starting to build passion in, you know, my fitness, in my fashion, in my faith, in my, you know, in, in so many more pillars. And, you know, the roommates really encompass a holistic man. I love that. And then when you guys dropped the affluent standard late last year, I was like, oh, OK, I'm going to tap into that. And I was tapping into some of the information and I didn't tap in the first round. And I regret that because being part of the standard 100. Uh, but then I knew April. April 4th, I won't forget the day I tapped in. But even before that, again, Tyrone Johnson, I know you're going to listen to this. When we met Hafiz and Chris of the Roommates in the Atlanta show, March 5th, 
And you and I, like, I remember this. We were like three inches away, and you were just telling me like the mission behind the standard. And I was like, I am a hundred percent in. I kid you not, I'm in this, and I'm in it. And this is one of the greatest investments I've made like thus far. Um, but again, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, you know, Hafiz, I remember a great roommate's video. You talked about um, delayed gratification and I think the 10 simple steps to financial freedom. Do you remember that video? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So can you talk about that for our audience and our listeners? Because I know Sean, Zach and I, we are so ingrained in delayed gratification, right? Putting off, you know, those shortcuts or putting off the little things now to yeah. kind of get the big benefits in the long run. Can you talk about that and the importance of that? No and then problem. also maybe your monk story when you were our age, like 22. Yeah. Okay, how old are you? I'm 22. Uh, Sean? I'm 24. Zach? Same, 24. Cool. So, Yinka made a, made a point where he said earlier, he was like, man, I love the nuanced perspective that you have with masculinity. And I love the holistic message. In the year 2021, when I'm 31 years old. And what happened is when I was 21, I was the most zealous, most intense guy you'll ever meet. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I had a message, but nobody cared. Mm. Nobody cared. Nobody would listen. And I and I remember I I paid my all my money at that time graduated college and i wanted to create youtube videos at this time mind you this was before youtube was was anything around 2011 want to create youtube videos so i created a youtube series with me and my guys we did a 10-part series on manhood masculinity all all things like that and it was so much fun but it cost like probably like two thousand dollars to put it all together and at that time, when you're 21, graduate college, that's a lot of money. So to me, it wasn't a sustainable model. It wasn't sustainable. So I was like, dang, I want to share my ideas. Like, I can't afford to share my ideas. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to write. So I started writing. And I started a blog. And I was writing for, for, for years there. I share all those things because when it comes to delayed gratification, it's something that you as a young man don't understand it, but you can but you always understand it later on when you look back. Because we want not it now. I'm telling you, there was nobody at 21 who in here wanted it not, wanted it more. All the ideas I'm saying now, they've been refined over a 10-year process. But if I'm being honest with you. They were fire back in the day, too. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't like I turned 25 and 28, and then all of a sudden I started looking. No, I'm talking about I have books, notebooks like these, literally filled with ideas. So many from 21. Same stuff I'm saying now. Oh, man, those are ideas back in the day, but nobody cared. Delayed gratification. Saying no to shortcuts today in order to say yes to success tomorrow. And so to me, God was taking me, in my opinion, because I feel like he's holding me back. <laughs> but he was taking me on a journey to learn that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when you're young, it's so hard because 
you live so much in the moment, you know? Like, I, I would argue that, I can't, forgive me if I'm incorrect about this. I think I heard this somewhere. They said if you take a clock, you put it on a, a child's arm when it was born, and you put it on the mom's arm when it's born, and it's an exact identical clock, nothing breaks down, everything remains the same. In 35 years, the clocks will have different times. I can't explain it. The guy's way smarter than me. Explain it. But to me, the, the concept is time is relative. The pace based on the age. When you're younger, you're moving so fast, time feels slow. But then when you're older and you're moving so slow, time feels fast. So there's this interesting thing that goes on when you're young. You live in an accelerated state of being, you know? And you're constantly looking into the future, but constantly wanting things today. And so it, that makes delayed gratification even harder. And so to me, I think when you understand the process of becoming the man that you were created to be, though it's hard, looking back, I, I haven't met a man who has any regrets on taking advantage and being in a position to have delayed gratification. So Hafiz, I have I have kind of two questions that kind of segue from what you were just saying and tie into a little bit. Yeah. The first is that based on you know how time moves when we're younger versus how time moves when we're older and on the delayed gratification track, do you think that, or I guess how does taking kind of a step back, say when you're 30 years old and looking at, you know, what your dreams were when you were 21, 22, do you think that it's good to, I guess, pay attention and think of this is where I dreamed of being when I was 22 years old and I'm here in the moment right now. Yes, I'm thinking about the things, you know, five, 10 years down the road, but do you think it's good to take a step back and just take it all in? I, I, I made um, a video about this with some of the guys in the standard, and I said, the problem with successful men is that they're so busy focusing on climbing Mount Kilimanjaro that they never celebrate climbing Mount Everest. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You're so consumed on the next destination you never celebrate the destination that has already arrived. This is one of the biggest reasons why in the standard we have quarterly experiences where I take, like, you know, where I take the guys and we go to different cities around the world and we celebrate success for the reason of exactly what you're describing. Men need to celebrate. As much as you guys look back or look forward and say, man, I wanna be here. You at 14 is probably very happy. He's probably very proud. Wow, like this is great, I'm here, but we don't celebrate that. And so one of the biggest things, I remember I was, I was listening to Gary Vee, I'm a huge Gary Vee guy, and um, I was listening to Gary Vee talk, and Gary Vee said his only regret in life was not celebrating more. Mm. He said that was only regret in life. He never went on a vacation, supposedly, he never did any fun. He said, I didn't celebrate enough in my 20s. And so, no, I agree 100%. I think that's a problem that a lot of guys face, that they don't celebrate the moment, and they're so 
consume with the future. And trust me, I'm in that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read the book Yinka recommended to me, The Way of the Superior Man, and that mentions how men and masculinity uh, like thrive off of and are fueled by their mission, right? And their destination, breaking through their goal and achieving, right? And so as soon as you achieve your goal and get to the, the peak of where you're trying to get to, naturally, you're just going to set your sights on the next one as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you continue to repeat that over and over and not recognize and celebrate where you've come from, you know, what's the point of doing it at all? A hundred percent. It goes back to um, Adam Sandler makes so many great movies on a, such a, uh, on a deeper level. It seems like comedy, but man, he's, he's making some serious philosophical movies and a, ch- a child like movie that he made was click. Mm-hmm. You remember the movie click yep. and it was so, it was so powerful because you saw like, he was always fast forwarding life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, man, this is a movie. I got. I just thought about a movie right now. Another movie as we're talking. Yeah. And this may or may not be relevant, but I'm telling you, it's super powerful. So it's a girly movie. It's called the um, About Time. And yeah. I, I, I'm gonna ruin the movie. So forget. <laughs> Forgive me, guys, yeah. if you guys were planning on watching a good uh, romance movie this weekend. So the movie called About Time. And in the movie, the main character can go back in time. So it's very interesting because the first part of the movie, if you have the power of time travel, what are you going to do? Go back in time to change things, right? Okay, I'm going to go back and change um, myself. So I can make the basketball team. I'm going to go back in time and ask that girl out. I'm going to go back in time and study for the SATs more. I'm going to go back in time. And like, like you spend the first half trying to go back in time to change things, right? What ends up happening is that at the end of the movie, you learn the, 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 the true art of time travel. And the true art of time travel is to never travel to begin with. But to live your days so fully present in the moment that you don't even want to go back in time because you're here right now. And so to me, I think that's the place as a man you want to get to. Right now, you guys have your foot on the gas. It's all I, I know it. Your foot's on the gas. Man, I can't wait till I buy my first house. I can't wait till I get married. I can't wait to make my first seven figures. I can't wait. Da, da, da. Your foot's on the gas. Eventually, you can put your foot on the brakes. Oh, wow, my son is how old? Oh, my gosh, she's getting married? Uh, retirement party? Grandchildren? Then you're going to hit the brakes, and by then, you would have wished, man, I wish I would have stopped and just stayed in the moment. And so, no, I, I agree 100%. I think that's something that a lot of men struggle with, uh, who especially men who are always trying to climb that next mountain. That's that's immensely powerful too, and it's it, it's tricky because we hear all these people, you like I guess, content creators and famous people like Gary V, like your Mark Cubans of the world, people who are immensely successful, and they they, they preach that you need to push forward, think about the future, sacrifice your your twenties for your thirties type of thing, but it is it is great to take a step back and realize where you're at 
versus where you were at a few years ago. And my second question, then I'll let, I'll let Yinka get back into it. As, as a content creator, when you were starting out, when you were in your 20s or your early 20s, and no one was, I guess, taking in your content, watching your videos, what drove you to push forward and what kind of strategies did you use to not give up? So that's an amazing question. And if I, had, if I was a superhero, I'll have two powers. Okay. The first one is super speed, which is why slowing down is so important. I love going fast. I'm like Ricky Bobby. I love going fast, right? <laughs> and then my real superpower that I actually believe is like something that I, I can do very now is replication. The way a mystique is an X-Men. I can copy things very easily. That's my skill. I'm not the best in regards to innovation, like, oh. But if I see something, I can I can copy it. It's very interesting. Even like when I was a preschool teacher, I used to be okay at drawing like drawing pictures. I used to be okay at it. But then one day I said, you know what? Let me draw. Uh, it was one of my favorite kids' birthdays, <laughs> and I wanted to draw, give him a birthday card. And I was like, I, I forgot a card, so I said, let me just make him a card. So I literally made him a card, and I saw like his favorite book. I saw the picture of the book, and I literally just drew the exact picture. And like, I was shocked by how good I could draw. I haven't drawn in years. I'm like, wow. And I realized I was just so good at copying things and replicating them. So my strength is I can see what makes people successful and I, can, and I just copy it. That's my thing. Almost, if I'm, if I'm obsessed with you enough, I know how you became successful. I know you, I, like, I, I specialize in like knowing people's formulas. What, it, what, what was their formula to be successful? So I, I looked up the, the kind of people I wanted to be, especially in the podcast space, and I saw what made them successful, right? So mm -hmm. let's, let's go to the top of the mountain. Let's say like a, like a, a Joe Rogan, right? What makes okay. Joe Rogan successful? In all honesty, Joe, mind you, he's been doing it for 15 years. He's a beast. He's amazing. Like, I, you do anything that long, he's great. But really what makes Joe Rogan podcast so amazing, especially in my opinion, the golden era of Joe Rogan from 2015 to 17 was the guest. was mm -hmm. a guest. So what I realized is in the world of podcasting, the, the people don't care about what you have to say until you become somebody. And so then there's this catch 22 is that you're not somebody unless people care what you have to say. Mm. you know so <laughs> now what do i do so when you think about the most successful podcast almost everybody was had a form of celebrity beforehand flagrant two with andrew schultz he had brilliant idiots and he was on mtv guy code joe rogan had fear factory had newsweek he had a bunch of different shows hosting mma right like almost every single person had who were top tier podcasters today they had somebody they had a level of credibility fame where people were interested in them to watch their show so i was like oh, that's not me so who's more similar to me and that person would be lewis house and what i realized from lewis house is that he was able to get some top big name guests and then use that to continuously build himself up so I realized that collaborations are the best way of growing as a content. It's the fastest way. You know, you can, you can, you know, maybe 
make have a viral video and those are rare right or you can collaborate with somebody and then they like it so much they share it so that was uh, that was um my methodology and that was a strategy that i did i copied so what i would do is i whenever somebody would go on lewis's podcast jerogan's podcast um andrew schultz podcast any podcast i follow i would reach out to that person and um and it took me a lot of years to get anyone who's close to that level right um but i just i just kind of copied people's method um, methodology and that re that resulted to the the semi success that we have today mm -hmm. yeah iteration and collaboration i love yeah. it yeah. yeah no and i can see that yeah the school of greatness i can see a lot of uh parallels and and, and i absolutely love that no, that's that's beautiful. And you know, us as content creators just starting, um, you, you're completely right. Where we might have a message, but if we are nobody's in the space just yet, no one's going to listen. And again, people, the the kind of guests like you, Hafiz, and our previous guests as well, you're you're bringing light to us, and we appreciate that from the bottom of our heart. So, no, I I could not agree more. And uh, now I kind of want to transition into uh, a topic that really hits home for Hafiz and I. Right. So, you know, growing up in Nigerian in a Nigerian household, Nigerian family, right? Kind of what was that like for you? I want to kind of see the similarities. What yeah. was instilled within you? Let's say the certain characteristics. But then also too, did you or did you not like I have a money conversation? Or was it a bad, a negative connotation about money? That would be interesting yeah. for me. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that question. I'm gonna give a little bit of advice as I'm answering the question as well. Yes. Yeah, so, my dad is the opposite of what you would expect a traditional Nigerian man to be. Okay. He's the he's literally the opposite. Um, my dad is a very egalitarian person. Like it's it's really, I didn't understand how how different he was until I started growing up. Like, for example, like my dad would change our diapers. My dad would shower us. My dad would cook us dinner. My dad would feed us. Like my, like my dad would do so many things to, as, as a man, that I just thought everyone's dad did stuff like this. You know, I, I thought everyone's dad puts them in a stroller and takes them shopping and everyone's dad takes them to the park, you know, three times a week. Like, I just thought that's what dads did. And it wasn't until I got older, I realized that's what moms did. And a lot of people, they, they never even saw their dad besides that one day a week, you know, when they have to go to church on Sunday, whatever, right? And so my dad being there instilled great identity in me. Great identity. And I think to me, him caring so much gave me a very caring heart mm -hmm. um and so that's a very different from most you know traditional nigerian households if, 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 um, i would argue but then um genetically i got a lot of things you know from from his father and my mom's father as well so like Ni nigerian behavior to use that kind of language didn't come from anything where I was raised by. It came all genetic, in my personal opinion. Um, and so in regards to the money conversation, it really, it really wasn't there because my dad is such a, 
he's such a, a, a liberal guy, like 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 legit, like we're like the opposite <laughs> end of the, the, the political spectrum, him and I. My dad's such a liberal guy. Like he's he's not like Robert Kiyosaki's dad, not like that extreme, but he's a guy who's like, if if I have enough money to 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 feed my children and they're happy, that's all I care about. So money wasn't like this big thing as long as he had it to take care of his children, you know? And so I think that's where the nuance was, where it was like for me growing up was my dad was so obsessed with his children. It really instilled that in me and, and, and money and work wasn't really like this uh, obsessive thing as other people experienced. I see. I see. No, you know, that's interesting you say that because uh, I grew up with a very traditional Nigerian father. So just hearing that, it's like, wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's flabbergasting to me. No, that, that's, that's interesting. And, you know, for me, also growing up in a Nigerian household, I asked the money conversation because it's so interesting. My passion about finance, because I think it's just something that I have a natural knack for. Studying engineering numbers is kind of a fun thing for me. But also, too, it was kind of also like a void that was just not talked about in the household. I talked to this um, briefly with Sean and Zach that, like I mentioned, as I preface with the question, there was just a negative. If, if money was talked about, it was a negative connotation like, you know, wealthy people are mean and greedy or we don't talk about money in this house or don't even keep your money in a bank account because the government can take it. Things like that. Right. And I'm like, there's no way all these things are true. It's probably just a lack of information or it's a lot of you know, what news tries to tell, um, you know, my parents, my parents trying to pass that on to me or traditions of what, you know, money conversations were. So that's kind of a lot where my passion for finance came from because I was uh, a lot self-taught and I enjoy teaching other people. But then now kind of a question, like sub-question off that question, your passion with male development, right? Where did that emanate from? Was it something like my passion that came from family or was it a certain experience you had? Or where did that come from? When I was four years old, I remember being in preschool and we had Burger King. We eat Burger King for 11 years after this day. <laughs> we had Burger King. And I remember, I remember, the, I have memories growing up where, this is how I remember. I'm not saying this is what happened. This is how I remember it. I remember sitting at a table with a bunch of my friends and then every two minutes, someone else left the table. And it eventually got to a point where I was eating my lunch during lunchtime and I was all by myself. I remember crying, being so sad and hurt. And I remember the teacher coming and sitting next to me so I wouldn't be alone by myself. That experience is one of my earliest memories. I have like five of them similar to that. That experience made, made me very empathetic to people being by themselves and being lonely. Mm. Fast forward growing up, I, I was always a guy in school who if someone had no friends, I wanted to be their friend. Like there was like I think I, I talked about a little bit on, on on a video today. Like this is social leprosy that happens when you're young. If you're like the the loser in school like other people don't want to be around you because then they'll be a loser by affiliation association, right? And and I never had that. Like I felt like wow, because I, I I saw that kid as a guy like me when I was four was by himself. 
So I always had compassion for people. And I, and I always just had, you know, like the, the most, you know, weirdest group of friends. It's, it's very interesting. Fast forward to 19 years old, um, I became a Christian, uh, my sophomore year of college. And I had a desire that was started to like well up in me because there was, there was so much information that I learned from becoming a Christian that I felt like a lot of guys didn't have it. And I felt like, like man, I've been walking around like in total darkness without this information. And so many other people are walking around without this information. I want to give it to them. Mm-hmm. So that began my journey of like helping men. Um, because when I was in college, I actually, I actually retired from playing college football because I was like, man, like my passion wasn't football. It was just literally helping men now, um, which made me become a preschool teacher. Then eventually I became an elementary school, after school teacher. Then I became a middle school teacher and then a middle school football coach and high school teacher and high school football coach. So like I, I spent my life doing it every age. And, and the, the biggest thing that I, I can say is that a lot of people doing it now, it's like, in my opinion, it's a fad. Mm. And it's theory. The dope part about what I've done, I've been doing it for so many years, I don't have much theory anymore. I have, I have results. I have kids who are 15 years old. I met them at when they were four. I know them. I have kids right now who are 26. I met them when they were, how old was he when I met him? 13. You know, I have a lot, I got, I got a, a lot of people who are, who can tell you, man, when I was 12 years old, when I was 15, when I was 17, when I was 18, when I was five, when I was nine, when I was, thir- he told me this and he gave me this and this. So to me, like that, like it's, it's years of it. So I, I really believe that the desire to help just really started at that age and also started with my dad, just, just being there. And, and because he was so helpful to me, I just always wanted to be helpful with other people. And so that's kind of where my passion for, for helping men came from. I love that. It's, it's as if, you know, the information that you're disseminating, you wish you had at that young age, and then you acquired it. And now you're, you know, paying it forward or going full circle by giving that information out because there's people who are walking around, like you mentioned, without that information. And you're like, well, I was their age and I wish I had that information. So let me, let me share that. I love that. And that's exactly, you know, what we're doing with FLI with a lot of information and the passion that we have with finance. We're taking all that in. We have a passion for it and people need this kind of information and we know that they need the information. So why not give them what we wish we had, let's say, because our demographic is like five to six years younger and then five to six years older. Right. All these kinds of people who wish they had the information that we had and we had um, that we wish when we were their age. But no, I absolutely agree. And I love that. I love that. Um, You know, and kind of, you know, now taking into the next question about finance. I remember in our one of our recent the standard conversations, you mentioned the 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 phrase winter is coming, right? Yeah. And this is something I'm super excited to talk about because if I'm not mistaken, are we currently in a recession now, boys? Legally, I mean by definition we are. We are. Right. So, we're already there. Winter has came. Right? So for those, well, first off, can you kind of talk about what that means, but then also to how people can prepare? Because this is, this is a long game now. This is a long game. How can people prepare for winter now that it has come? 
Do you guys remember the old childhood story about the grasshopper and the ant? I think so. Okay. So, yes, sir. I think knows this, so I shared it with the guys in the standard as well. So, there was a grasshopper who was playing his fiddle in the middle of the summertime, having the time of his life. And then he saw a bunch of ants with food on their backs crawling into the ant hole. And he was like, what are you guys doing? And the ant said, we're preparing for winter because it'll be very cold and there won't be any food. He said, cold? No food? Look around. It's hot. There's food everywhere. Come play with me and have fun. He said, no, man, we, we got we to gotta work for the wintertime. Fall came. Grasshopper was still playing his little fiddle, eating food, having a good time. Saw the ants crawling around again. He's like, hey, what are you guys doing? We're preparing food. The, the winter's coming. The winter is coming. What, what do you mean? It's going to be cold. There's going to be no food. Cold? Food? It's great outside. Look at all the food here. Grasshopper, uh, grasshopper went back to playing. The ants went back to working. Winter arrived. The ants were in their, in their tunnel playing the fiddle and eating the food. And then the grasshopper was outside freezing to death. Very interesting story. Going back to your original question about delayed gratification. Mm. The child story, but you know these, these Aesop's fables, man. These, this guy was a freaking genius. There's something, <laughs> there's something divine in the Aesop's and the Shakespeare's and all these old people, people of old. They could tell stories, man. These people, they were very connected to the divine truth of, 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 of humanity. So the concept of winter is coming is that there will be a time when there is not. There will be a time where there is, and there is a time where there is not. There's a time where there is a lot of money. There's a time where there is not a lot of money. There's a time where there is a lot of opportunity. There's a time when there is not a lot of opportunity. So when you understand that concept, you realize that if a lot of good things are happening today, there's a possibility that bad things could happen tomorrow. So if you're only living as if good things will continuously happen for the next umpteenth years, you will suffer when bad things happen tomorrow. And so to me, that's one of the biggest things when it comes to, as you know, finances. Because a lot of young adults, especially, you know, you guys' generation, I believe you guys' generation Z, um, the the biggest issue is that you may not have been you've never been through a, a real recession and we've lived in a time of economic surplus the past couple of years so people don't know what it is going to be like when there is tough times every generation goes through it and so that's something that's happened and that's something that's happening, and those who are prepared are winning, and those who are not are going to suffer. Mm -hmm. And how can how can one prepare for it? So um, one of the things I talked to the guys in the standard about is budgeting, and budgeting based upon seventy five percent of your income, mm -hmm. right? So you budget seventy five percent of your income so that you can be able to um, save and invest the additional twenty five percent. Either invest fifteen, save ten. 
say 15, invest 10, or say 20, invest five, whatever you're comfortable with, right? So by, by hedging your money like that, one of two things happen. One, you build up a, a, a safety net for savings in case you, you get, you get um, laid off. I have a close friend of mine who got laid off today. So it happens. And two, here's the real part about it. It's a question I've always asked myself as a content creator. If everything were to go away, how would you replace your income? Like if you're a content creator, let's say you're making $10,000 a month, you're a content creator. If that all was to go away, what, how would you replace that income? What would you do? What job will you apply for that's paying $10,000 a month? I think about that quite often. And so part of living below your means is also helpful because what can happen is if you lose your job, but you are only living on 75% of your income. So let's say you're making the 5,000 a month and you're actually living off of four, right? Now, if you lose that job making five grand a month, you can take a job making four. Mm-hmm. Because if you've ever been unemployed, you know, man, that like you think you have money now. Imagine no money coming in. You know? And so now, by at least having a job now, you save yourself. Right? And so, and so to me, I think that's one of the biggest things men people have to consider and to protect themselves is you have to live below your means initially to develop the nest egg, a safety egg, before you continue in today's society. Yeah, I agree. I think something that we talk about a lot at FLI is that there's only two ways you can, I guess, increase your wealth. And it's you either make more money or you spend less money. And I, you know, budgeting really covers the spending less money and living below your means. But in terms of your personal situation, yes, you do content creation, but what does your streams of income look like? How many do you have? How do you, I guess, diversify to protect yourself if, say, one were to decrease versus another? It's an amazing question. So I think there's a myth about streams of income that is being talked about today. And a lot of people are saying you need to have seven streams and eight streams and nine streams. I'm like, okay, who's managing all these streams? Like, really? Like, like I, I, really, I really believe that, like, the problem, in my opinion, in today's world with content is so many people are, are, are creating, like, this entertainment, this educational entertainment. But, but, the, but it's so much entertainment, it's not even reality it's like reality tv right give mm-hmm. them just enough reality but just just have a reality we make them happy so we got to spice it up that's what a lot of content creators do mm-hmm. they don't really give you the exact reality of how it's they give you enough to make it sound good oh eight streams of income nine streams of income ten streams of income it all sounds very good but who's managing your real estate p- properties Who's managing your stock portfolios, your investment portfolios, your, 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 your laundromats? 
your 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 AT, uh, not your ATMs, your vending machines. Who's managing all these things? You at 27, 25? So I think that's a, I think there's a, a myth about a multiple streams of income, but I'll answer your question directly. Officially, I have two streams of income. I have the standard and I have the roommates. But those things are broken into multiple different avenues within those things. So, so that's when people say multiple streams, they're usually saying, I have one thing that can create seven different ways of making money. But the myth the, to me is not multiple because that one thing goes away, so do all those streams go away, right? So, like a lot of content creators say, oh, I have seven streams. I'm like, no, you have one. Because if your YouTube channel went away, there goes all those seven other things that are making money. So I'll explain to you the, the seven things that make money from the roommates. First, YouTube ad re revenue. I don't got to explain that. You guys know what that is. Second thing, um, I sell a, a manhood slash masculinity course. I sell that through Shopify, um, Teespring, as well as Squarespace. The third thing, we have ad revenue. Our Shout out our sponsors, Skillshare, Skillshare.com slash roommates, and shortform.com slash roommates. Our sponsors, Shortform and Skillshare. Um, then the fourth way we have is Patreon. So Patreon is our, our, our private community where people can get additional content and additional information. That's our fourth stream of income. The fifth stream, which I actually stopped doing, was I used to do one-on-one -on -one sessions. So people wanted advice and they wanted to talk to me about something I would offer private sessions. The sixth thing, which I also stopped, was we would do a, um, which I wear a Matyinka at, a, a roommate's live show. We travel to the different cities and then we will be able to um, um, talk to the guys about the, the roommates and do Q and A's and fun things like that. And the last thing was we have a separate clips channel where we put out our clips, but honestly that channel is not doing, has never did very well. I'm not the one managing that and it has a bunch of issues. So that's technically my seven streams from the roommates. Um, so, but like I said, I consider that all under the one stream of, of income um, because it's all under the roommates brand, but obviously, uh, you know, I have stocks. I don't consider the dividends a stream of income. People do. I don't consider that. I'm not making that much dividends and at this point to be a stream, maybe a, 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 a droplet of income, right? Um, right? You know, Bitcoin, but we all know <laughs> like Houdini, that Bitcoin. So I don't consider that a stream of income either. Um, you know, I have index funds, but that in today's market, that's <laughs> losing money on that too you know what i mean so that's like i don't have all these other things like are not streams anymore you know what i mean they're they're you know so so the the, the two major things i would consider is the roommates and the standard okay and, and if i'm not mistaken like you just mentioned with your clips channel with a couple of these streams of income it sounds like you might have delegated a lot of these income streams to other people to manage because you met you mentioned a ton of these streams but you're probably not the one managing Every no, I single am. one of these. Oh, you are. I, I am besides the uh, yeah, besides the clips channel. That's the that's what I'm talking about. Who's managing all these things? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. my weakness. I'm my biggest weakness is delegation. There's mm. a book I, I'm I should have I should have brought it. It's in the, it's in the car. It's called Traction. Mm, yep. Yep. Beautiful Bro, book. Game game changer. <laughs> it's a game changer. But but to me it's like so. So yeah, I'm managing all those things. So I, 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 I just think people are lying when they're telling me they're doing real estate 
and they're doing laundromats and they're doing vending machines and they're doing this and they're doing that. I'm like, bro, no, you're not. No, I, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Uh, maybe, maybe they are. You know, they, you know, maybe someone you're paying and companies managing all these things for you, but you as an individual are not doing all these things. So, so yeah, so those first six, I'm doing them all myself, but then the, the last one, um, somebody else was managing it for a little bit. And then I actually, confession, I took the clip channel also. I was like, I need to do this too. And then I totally, totally had a mental lapse. And I was like, bro, I can't, I can't do all these things. I agree with you completely. The delegation is, is that's, that's my biggest goal for 2022 is to learn how to delegate. And thankfully I've been blessed to work with Zach and Yinka on this. And this is given me, I guess, light years of experience into the delegation, reading traction and and working into the EOS mindset as well has been huge. Yeah. Yeah. We talked a little bit about uh, living beneath your means in that same vein. Uh, I know lifestyle creep can be a bit of an issue for people who Mm. finally find their way into other streams of revenue and income. And even though if they're making more money, you know, it's just leaving their bank account right after. Is that something you have found yourself doing? Is there ways you kind of keep yourself in check? Listen, listen, listen. Now now we're having a podcast. I'm I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Talk to me. In 2000 and... What year was this? 2020 when I filed those income taxes. No, 2019. 2019, I think I filed my income taxes when I when I finally went full time with the roommates. I think I made thirty eight thousand dollars that year. And I was maybe able to save probably save a good 10% of that. Which is solid, and I, you know, I lived off of, you know, whatever was remaining. the The following year, when I made ninety, following year, I made ninety eight thousand dollars, right? In my brain, I was like, hold on. Let's say I had $20,000 saved. It's still a lot, right? It's still a lot. But I said to myself, I said, before I, I was able to live off of 34 and still have money left over, now when I live off of 94, I only have 20 left over. So that means my living expenses went up to what? $74,000. No, $78,000 because I was making 98. And I was like, where is $78,000 worth of stuff at? Right. Where, where is it at? Then the following year, the number went up. Let's just say the number was $300,000. And I was like, okay, I saved $100,000. I made $300,000. That means I spent two hundred. dollars where in the world is it two hundred thousand dollars? Where in the what? Where 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 where'd it go? So lifestyle creep. Let's talk about it because I'm the I am a man who's experienced it, but I could honestly say I feel as though I understand 
I can provide a little nuance to it. The first year you make the money, I call it, or make a lot of money, I call it shock money. You're shocked. This is much how much money you have. You've never seen it before. But you're also shocked by how fast it can leave your wallet. I tell the story all the time. Remember I told you, I made $34,000 um, in, what year was that? 2019. There was times I made that in a month. And you're going from, hold on, wait, I made 38000 I made it in a year. I made it in a month, but I used to make it in a year. So you're shocked because the numbers, they don't, they don't make any sense. Because to me, but when I, like, all throughout my 20s, I was living off of, like, I think when I was a teacher, I was making, like, 52, 51,000. I think after taxes, I was coming to about 3,300. After taxes and, and life insurance, not life insurance, health insurance and all that stuff and TRS plans and things like that. So to me, bro, I, was, I thought I was balling back then. I thought I was balling back then. <laughs> so, so, so to me, when it, come, when it comes to the shock money, you're shocked because you just don't, you're just not expecting it. So, but you're also shocked by how quickly you can leave. Because one of the things that I did, good and bad, was I gave away a lot of money. Because in my brain, I didn't need this much. Somebody needed money. Oh, yeah, here you go, here you go. I was giving away money left and right. I was, I was like an ATM. <laughs> and, I was, and I remember doing tax at the end of the year. Like, damn, I gave away $40,000. Oh, my God, what are we You know, and, and you shocked by how quick the money can leave. But here's, here's what I've learned. Some of that is good. Some of that is good. Because there is a level of celebration as a celebration frugality balance, where on one end you have the guys say, you know what, if I'm making 250, I'm gonna live like I'm making 40 and save 210. To me, that might be a little too frugal. Mm -hmm. I, you know, you, you're still the guy who has your old beat up car that you take into the mechanic every day. Because what ends up happening now is when you're not making money, you make a lot of decisions that take up your time. And so when you make more money, you're now able to trade your time with your income to get your time back, right? Right. So there's little things that you do that might add up. Like for example, you might pay for clear at the airport. Why? It saves me time. My time is my money, right? So you pay an additional money for clear. You might pay for Uber Black. Why? Because time is, time is money. Instead of waiting for 18 minutes for the Uber, I'm waiting for two minutes for an Uber. So there's certain things where just off a lifestyle perspective, like for you guys, this is cool. I would love to see you guys in the studio. I would love a nice studio. With the lights, like what Flagrant 2 is doing now. I would love to see you guys in the studio. I think it'll make it, I think it'll make this show at least 10 times better, at least, at the minimum, at the very minimum. I guarantee whatever number, whatever number you're doing, add a zero to that if you guys got a studio. That's, that's a lifestyle creep. Hey, let's save money. Let's, oh, let's, get, let's not get a studio. Let's just save money. Let's do it over, over online. So there, there are certain things that a lifestyle creep is necessary, you know? And, right. um, and, and, and there's a balance, right? If you're, if you're a guy who's, 
who's in sales, and let's say you're selling life insurance or you have a, you have a Series Seven license, right? And you're in the financial in, industry. You can't be pulling up wearing H&M suits. It don't look good. Nobody wants to, to work with a guy who looks like he's, he's wearing clown suits. So you might have to invest in nicer clothes to be able to deal with nicer clientele, right? And so there's, there's this balance where I think is not talked about enough because on one extreme, you're going you're, you're gonna to see the people who just totally, you're making 50, they're spending 50, they're making 75, they're spending 75, right? The, the guys always, no matter how much more they're making, they're always spending. But on the other extreme, you have the people who are making 50,000 a month and only spending five and saving 45, but living like a peasant. So I think there's this balance where some lifestyle creep is necessary as you improve as a man in life. Right. And Hafiz, honestly, this is that's something that one of my mentors told me probably two years ago. And when he first told me it, I was shocked because I had grown up and my parents had always told me they're like, you need to do things for yourself. You need to mow the lawn. You need to change your oil. Like all of those tasks that are considered relatively easy tasks. They're like, you need to do those yourself because you shouldn't waste money paying people. But now I look at it as like, say my time is worth $100 an hour, $200 an hour. That task, I can pay someone 25 bucks an hour to mow the lawn. I'm getting $175 back that I can use to do something that makes mm-hmm. more money. 100%. Right. Exactly. Now that's relative, right? If you're broke and you know, you're trying to live off you know, extremely paycheck to paycheck, then it might be worth, you know, changing your oil, it might be worth cooking more meals, you know, than instead of going to buy a restaurant, you know. But if you are grinding with your nose to the grindstone and, you know, you're having to put off a task that's going to return you more money, you know, than it costs you to go drop your car off and pay someone else the money and the time, you know, to change oil for you to if it's, you know, more profitable, if it has a higher ROI for you to swing by and, you know, buy food, then then making it yourself, you know, at that point. Yeah, it's worth it, you know. Hundred percent, and there's and there's many layers to it. So let me give you an example of of, mm-hmm. of like frugality slash lifestyle creep. So right now, um, I'm looking for a home in Dallas, okay. And I'm looking for a home in Dallas, and Dallas real estate is very expensive, very very expensive, right? So the rule of thumb is what thirty percent of your income for your housing, right? So let's just say. Person who's making hundred thousand dollars a year, that's eight thousand three hundred thirty-three dollars or eight thousand seven hundred sixty-seven dollars a month. Um, let's say after taxes, if the guy is married, let's say that's seventy. Let's just say seventy seventy seven thousand a month, right? So just throwing out some random numbers out there, may or may not be accurate. So let's say thirty percent of seven thousand a month. Would that be twenty-one thousand? If I'm if I'm not mistaken, okay. um, so if you're a guy making 100 grand a month, technically you need to be living in a place that 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 the rent is 2100 a month, right? But right now, in a situation where I have a wife, I'm always gone. I'm never home, so she's alone by herself a lot of the times. So with the $2,100 a month place, unfortunately, in the Dallas area, because of inflation and all the things going on, you're not living, we're trying to rent a house, not staying in an apartment. We're not, we're not living, you're not living in the best places, right? 
Right. So it makes more sense to say, you know what? All right, we'll live in a $2,500 place, move some numbers around, you know, for the well-being of my family. So there's certain lifestyle creeps that, that are affordable, you know, that makes sense when you, when you do multiple variables as a man. And so that's why even for me, I, I spend a lot of money. Yes, I spend a lot of the money, but I know I spend it on a lot of really important things. I did, I did a lot of things that, in my opinion, were very meaningful with the money versus just saying, you know what, I'm making $300,000, I'm going to save $200,000 and, and hoard that in the bank versus, okay, let's, 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 let's use it to empower, encourage, and invest in the lives of the people. Um, so I think there's, like I said, the lifestyle creep has happened to me 100%, um, but then there's a lot of nuances that take place in it um, where it's okay to improve. And some guys, I know the, the very frugal guys who probably watch your content are doing fantastic when it comes to taking your advice, need to learn about that balance. Yeah. Yeah. No, couldn't agree more. It's, it's very funny because I have, I have a mentor who works at Apple in California. He, and I went to go visit him in December. He had an example where making disgustingly amazing money, right? Bay area money. But this guy, <laughs> shout out to Phil, if you're, you're going to listen to this. He bought a Dyson fan just to simply blow the dog food because he has a dog the dog food like smell to the window but little things like that he's like Yinka, i'm like why would you i asked him why would you pay 300 dollars for a dyson fan? he's like convenience i'm paying for convenience i also have these dyson like he, he loves dyson dyson fans and <laughs> dyson vacuums on every floor so i don't have to lug them between floors okay now that's pushing it but all the thing is it's convenience Right. Yeah. You're saving your time and you're trading it for money, which you probably have an influx of. And I love that. And that's beautiful. And that's something that we're going to have to balance as that, you know, increases for us. So I love that. And, um, you know, as we wrap up, because you mentioned it multiple times, I really want you you know, to spend some quality time talking about it because I'm a part of it. And I love it. Love it a lot is uh, well, even before we talk about that is, you know, community. Right. And that's something that you have solved that problem. For a lot of men like me with the standard, yeah, yeah, you see, he's, he's getting ready. He's getting ready with the standard. It's community. And as us, as, as, as FLI, we're trying to build now a community as well on Discord with people who are like-minded like us who are trying to, you know, build their knowledge on financial literacy, right? But nonetheless, can you talk about how you noticed and then how you actually are solving that problem of community with the standard? No, 100%. I think, I think to me, I, I get so many questions from guys over and over and over again. But before I do that, I, I'm very curious. Sean, what would you say is the biggest issue you are trying to solve in life today? The biggest issue? That's in a great life, question. In your life. In, your life. In, in my personal life, not related yeah. to FLI at all? Yeah. Honestly, it's it's what I talked about earlier on the delegation. So in, in you're, you're going to... You're gonna get. You're not gonna like me saying this, but currently I work on FLI. I work a full time job in engineering sales. I own rental properties. I run a detailing business, and one of the biggest things I work on with my with one of my mentors is scaling and delegation, and how to put processes and procedures in place so that I can focus on the tasks that are the high dollar tasks and not get bogged down by the menial tasks. So the delegation part is is the biggest challenge in my life for sure. Okay, go ahead. What about you, Zach? Uh, right now, my biggest task I'm trying to diversify my income. Right, so I have my day job, my nine to five. I'm an engineer. Um, 
on the side. I have a couple little gigs that I've been working on trying to take off. My latest one is Amazon FBA, trying to make some, you know, kind of semi-passive uh, income that way by investing in products, send them to Amazon, have Amazon ship them out. Uh, but right now, uh, you know, my income solely relies on my day job, my nine to five. And right now I have nothing else to lean on, you know, if I were to lose that. Well, I don't feel like I'm at risk of that. You know, I want the peace of mind and I want uh, the ability, one, to be able to lose it if I need, and two, to choose to be able to lose it if I need. You know, I don't want to work for someone else my whole life, right? By my goal is 35. You know, I want to be able to quit my nine to five and I want to be able to live off of, live comfortably off of the other streams of income that I have accumulated for myself. What about you, Yinka? Even though I know where you're going with this, I would have answered before knowing this question. The biggest thing I'm really struggling with or what I've, you know, I'm working towards diminishing is loneliness. And why I say that is I, I, I remember talking to you about this at the Atlanta show, and I'm so thankful that we had this conversation, is where not necessarily related to finance as the other two, which is good. That's, you know, everybody has different things they're going through. But for me, just the way that I know that I move like it's really Sean, Zach, and maybe a couple other guys that I know that move like me. And there's really not much of a support system. And the people I try to bring up, it's like, I'll try my best and they don't really take the information. So I don't want to let you go, but like, I got to keep on rising. I got to keep on soaring, right? But it's so lonely in this, like, in this space of just getting to the next level and grinding and get, you know, getting into these spaces. And I remember talking to my boy, Tyrone, again, you'll see where I'm going with this. Before we went to Atlanta show, I'm like, people like Anthony O'Neill, people like the roommates, people like... You know, a lot of we, a lot of uh, you guys that we we follow, you guys are in a whole. Even though you guys are humans, you guys are in this whole like content creator space in this space that I know I want to get into, right? And then let's say I'm here. Whether you want to say up, down, left, right, doesn't matter. There's this space that I know I want to get into, right? In this space where I'm at, I feel like I am a teacher among a ton of students, like my friends, family members, people I try to just put on randomly. But there's this space that I want to be a teacher among a ton of teachers. Or a student among a ton of teachers. I want to learn. I, I, I'm tired of being a cup or you know, that I'm just pouring into people. I want to be poured into, right? So for me, there's not that many people to pour into me. So it's just loneliness, whether it's like good quality friends like my business partner here, Sean, Zach, or my mentors, and that's it. So for me, it was loneliness. Great. So I am obsessed with just hearing people's stories and, and their problems and their challenges and, and the issues that they're dealing with. And you guys have shared a lot of really powerful things um, that, that to me embody um, men who are doing very well in like um, um, third level issues as I like to describe these things. And one of the things I've, I found is that everybody has a problem they're trying to solve. Zach has a problem, Sean has a problem, you get the problem. What if Zach solves his problem, Sean solves his problem, Yinka solves his, I solve mine, and then we now together solve each other's problems? Dang, man, bro, I suck at delegation. Sean's like, yo, man, bro, I remember two, two, two three years ago, bro, I had an issue as well. Let me tell you the exact thing that I did, exact process. To crush it with delegation. Bro, thanks, Sean. Man, I suck at diversifying my portfolio, man. I feel so over leveraged at my job. I feel like they have too much power over me. Zach's like, hey, man, bro, I remember that problem, man, about four or five years ago, bro. I was super 
over leverage with my job. And I felt like I had no control, no freedom. And this is exactly the steps that I did. To, 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 to. What if there was a world like that? So many men are trying to reinvent the wheel. It's 2022. Everyone is like, I'm trying to solve a problem that so many guys have already solved it. And, 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 and can tell you, do A, B, C, D, E, F, G problem solve. And not just this idea of, okay, well, easy for you, Yinka, you're an immigrant. Easy for you, Sean, you're a white male. Easy for you, Afish, you're handsome. Like, not, not just to say, oh, this worked for him. No, it worked for Sean, Zach, J Jason, Tommy, Rakim, Chingwei, Muhammad, Raul. You know, it's it worked for, it's, it's, it's proven. So to me, I realize that's what a lot of community is. A lot of community, a great community, a community of excellence is a community of men who have solved their primary problem and is able to now help solve the problems of others while simultaneously being able to receive solutions to their secondary problems from the other men in the group. And that's what expedites the process. Mm -hmm. It expedites the process by guys coming together, pooling their wisdom and knowledge, learning things together to achieve success. I tell the story to the guys about Mr. Beast. He was on Joe Rogan a couple of months ago and he was sharing information about his success. You know, Mr. Beast is not the largest YouTuber on the planet. And he said that there was, he had a group of 10 guys who were also YouTubers when he first started off and they were all obsessed with YouTube. And he literally said, what we would do is we would live our daily, whatever nine to five job, then maybe from like five to 10, we would just make YouTube videos all day long. Just do YouTube videos. Then from like 10 to three, 10 to four, we'd hop online and just share notes. Oh, bro, red, red thumbnails do this. Bro, if you add this to your video, this is, hey man, cut it at this point. It makes the audience feel this. Everyone sitting down, everyone trying to solve their problem, and everyone's sharing the, 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 the results. He said within a couple of years, all of them had over a million subscribers. All of them had over a million subscribers. Why? You solve Zach's problem. You, you solve a thousand other Zach's. You solve Sean's problem. You, you solve 10,000 other Sean's. And it gets to a point where it's just like, man, I have a clear path for everything. So to me, so many men are trying to do it by themselves. And you can't. You can't. But why reinvent the wheel? Why? Why? And, 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 and to me, that's why, that's what people don't understand about community. Community gives you the opportunity of not having to reinvent the wheel. But so many people want to do it. And hey, it can happen. But why, why drive to your solution when you can fly there? Yeah, no, um, that's immensely powerful. And I'm experiencing that within the standard. And just so people understand, like, what is the standard? And now after saying all that, because it sounds like an amazing community, how can people tap in? Yeah, so the standard is 
one of two parts. It's a luxury suit company and also creates communities of extraordinary men. So I'll break it down in three different ways. So the standard has three functions to for, for every man. We want you to dress like a 1% man. We want you to live the life of 1% man. And we want you to become a 1% man. The standard is, 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 is a group of guys who want to be excellent and great. It's not a group for average guys. No disrespect to anyone who's like that, who wants to live a mediocre, um, semi-passive, regular life. It's not, it's not a group for you. There's no shame in that. If you want to be a guy living in Minnesota making $45,000 a year with your wife and your two kids and you, and you live in your $200,000 house, that is a beautiful life. If God has called you to do that, there's no shame. There's no, you're not less of a man. You are a totally competent, competent successful man that we need to celebrate for living that life. This, that's just not what we're trying to be over here. I want to be around guys that want to be excellent excellence and excellence in every area of your life and so while the suits take care of the dressing right because they're luxury suits you know for the everyday man that look amazing but but also the community solves the latter two and i'll explain to you how the, the latter two work living the life and becoming let's do living the life i i have this um most people know i have this um love-hate relationship with red pill content where I'm always going back and forth with um, a lot of the content creators in that space about some of the, the good and the bad, a lot of bad that they teach in today's society on YouTube. But there's a couple guys that do content like that who I absolutely love. And one of the guys, his name is AMS, um, YouTube channel called Alpha Male Strategy, very toxic stuff, but I love the guy. <laughs> and AMS, I never forget what changed my life it was AMS and Stefan Lavoisier. And what both of them did, I remember AMS came up to me and I said, AMS, like, how are you doing, you know, with your YouTube channel? He's like, yo, I make X amount of dollars a, a, a year. I said, sure. How, tell, seriously, like, what's your, how are you doing with your YouTube channel? Like, no, I, I seriously make X amount of dollars a year. That's not possible. How are you making X amount of dollars a year? Okay, cool. So, I do this many views, da, 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 and it gets, and I get this much dollars from YouTube. I do this many ad, this many ads. I get this many dollars of ad company. I have this many patrons. It gets me this amount of dollars. Then I go ahead and sell this many books, sell this many T-shirts. Oh, you have T-shirts. Another streamer income one throw in there. This many T-shirts. Da, 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 da. He broke it all down to me, and I and I and I was blown away. I didn't think you could make that much money doing YouTube. My guy Jose Zuniga told me he made a million dollars at 21 years old and profit. So you're a liar. I'll show you how. My guy, Stefan, won't share his information. One of the top 10 independent best-selling authors in the world. Top 10 in the world, not America, in the world. How much money are you making? Oh, this is much money. This is how I'm doing it. No way. When I saw it, it changed everything. Changed what was possible. The story of the mile, right? They said a human could not run a mile in the four minutes because uh, uh, if, if so, his heart would stop. But people were like, oh, it can never happen. 
The guy ran a mile under a sub four minute mile. Literally that same year, five people broke it. They saw it, it happened. Same thing happened with Mount Everest. No one can climb Mount Everest. They climbed it, what happened the following year? Living the life, seeing other, seeing it, it's one thing, right? That's what happened to me. But imagine if you can touch it. Imagine if you could, imagine if Sean could fast forward to 32 years old for a day and see what it's like to be 32-year-old Sean. Rich, successful, confident, emotionally healthy, beautiful family, respect, speaking engagements. Imagine, imagine just being there for a, a, a day, just feeling that out, and then going back. Imagine that kind of motivation, just to be able to feel what that's like. So with the standard experience, that's what we created. We created events where guys can fast forward and see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything in my power to, to give you a weekend as if, you were, as if you've made it already. And, show, and give you that life for a weekend. Everything you can imagine. Literally, we had, this in Miami, we got like a, 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 a here's, here's a, the average yacht on Miami can fit 12 people maximum, the average yacht. The one we have fits 100 people. Like the Red Dragon off Rush Hour 2. It's crazy. You're there. You're experiencing this. You're having this life. Then you go back home. Mm. You, you work differently because you, you, you felt it. Not just a dream. This, this, is, this is what my life can be like. And then guess what happens? It's not just I want to say that, be there for a weekend. How do I get there? Sean goes into the future, 34 years old, running freaking a, a conglomerate where he's owning meta companies. He's owning NFT companies. He's owning so many different things. He's like, yo, I have an office. Owen and Associates. Then he comes back in time and he's, and he's like, well, how do I get there? How do I, how do I get to that dream? I know the dream. I saw it. I went in the future. I saw it. Now, how do I get there? That's where the third part, becoming the 1% man. So it's my desire with the standard is I'm going around and I'm finding men who are experts in every single field that you can imagine. Finance. Fitness, emotional health, spiritual growth, Christian theology, nutrition, cryptos, angel investments, mutual funds, insurance conglomerates, index funds, everything you could think about. Parrington, marriage, home ownership, managing multifamily units. Everything you can think about, I'm finding those guys and I'm bringing them into this community. And then I'm, and then I'm having those guys do what it solve their problem. Solve that problem. We're going to empower you to solve the problem. Yo, show, I want you to solve the problem of 
How can you make 10K a month with, with multifamily units? Solve the problem. I dare you to do it. You've solved it, now teach me. Solve the problem to be making $1,000 a month through your dividends. Solve that problem. You solved it, now teach us. So and solve the problem to be able to build relationship with your mayors in your town. Solve that problem, now teach us. So now what's happening is this community is what I like to call like the Justice League. And what I love about the Justice League is that Batman calls Superman to help him defeat Lex Luthor, but then also, sorry, Batman calls Superman to help him defeat the Joker. But then on the same end, Batman joins Superman to help him defeat Lex Luthor. So it's a community of men who is not just your solve being the teacher, but you're the teacher and the student depending on what day of the week it is. Yinka might be the teacher where there's a young guy being like, yo, Yinka, hey man, I really, I, I, love, I love your show. I want to do a finance show. I just need some advice. What can you help me with? Oh, here it is. Da, 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 da. Then Yinka's enjoying time with his girlfriend. He wanted to propose. Hey, Afiz, man, before you, before you, you know, propose to your wife, what were, what were some of the steps you took to be before you got serious? Oh, Yinka, here it is. Da, 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 da. So now it's like you, you, people join you on, I get to join you on a mission to help you get to marriage. And then you get to join someone else on a mission to help them create their YouTube channel. So to me, that's the desire of it. Because if, if cause it's, all it takes is when one person gets there, now everybody here has a path. So it's just multiple areas of life. And and I'm excited about it, and and I and I truly believe this is gonna, it's gonna change the world because I think that's gonna be the, the model moving forward, because I, because in my opinion it's something where society is breaking down and, and and fragmenting in a lot of different areas, and community is something that a lot of people are lacking. Um, but a lot of people find it online. But it, but it is, and it's great. But what if, what if it can grow where you're at as well? You know, and not just you have to wait once a week to talk to your friends from afar, but it, it's growing where you're at as well. With people who are like minded on the same page, you, I think that's where a lot of people want to get to. And so, with the standard, that's exactly what we're building, exactly what we're creating. And um, right now, to answer this first answer your first question that was a super long answer but to, to answer the second question how can somebody join well we only accept people seasonally and it's going to change we only accept people seasonally so each season we say we're only going to allow this many guys into the community um and so the two ways people can join is that they, they can sign up for a membership and currently right now for this year um for this launch i'm sorry it's one-time fees and, and, and lifetime memberships. One time, so you don't ever have to pay membership fees. So guys like Yinka are already in it. There's going to be membership fees in the future. The guys who are in it already will never have to pay those membership fees. So everybody is our gift to the guys who are early innovators to it. Uh, so you can pay for the membership, one-time membership fee you're in, or you can buy one of our suits. 
and the suits come with a membership and similar to the membership thing you do it once and and it's free and i'm gonna share you something else a little bit about that community so i don't think people really understand how these things work so i'm i'm in dallas right now one of the most prestigious country clubs in the country in the world a country is called dallas country club many of you guys may have heard of it before dallas country club has a waiting list of about thirty thousand men true enough story alex rodriguez was rejected from dallas country club didn't even let him in some elitist type stuff in a racism it is what it is dallas country club i think this guy, the first black guy, got accepted to it in 2014. He was waiting for 13 years long, the application process for 13 years. Then it's a $100,000 initiation fee to get in. So this is like a, an elite of an elite club. Let me tell you what happens in Dallas Country Club. So one of my friends who's not in the club, but affiliated with people in the club, told me that currently there's a part of Dallas called Oak Cliff and they're trying to renovate Oak Cliff. So imagine like gentrification and they're trying to take an area of town and make it into like a, 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 a upcoming trendy young adult party where you live, live where you party kind of place, right? So there's a government contract available for Oak Cliff for $50 million to a contractor who will, who will take on that um, location. $50 million grant. Here's the kicker. Because Oak Cliff is a historically black neighborhood and all the Black Lives Matter stuff that's been going on and all the identity politics, they're saying it has to be a black developer. Well, how do you feel about that? We'll talk about that later. It has to be a black developer, right? The problem is nobody in Dallas Country Club knows any black people first and foremost, let alone a developer. So now they're asking around their contacts. They're like, yo, hey, man, does anybody want a $50 million government contract to redevelop Oak Cliff? $50 million. That change, that'll change your whole life, your whole, your, your, whole gen, your whole genealogy's life. But mind you, that deal came out because they had nobody in-house to be able to get that deal to. Imagine how many of those deals have been going on all these years. Mm. All these inside deals. Now, you, you don't hear about these things. Yeah. You know, they ain't putting that, they ain't putting it on, on Forbes. They ain't putting that on Yahoo Finance. They, the, the, we all know how it goes. You don't hear about it. When, when the world hears about it, it's probably happened three years ago. And so to me, what I've seen is in certain communities with, of people who are doing well, there's just so many, it's just so many things going on. So many advantages going on. And I wanna get as many guys opportunities to be a part of that. I wanna build communities like that. Where let's say one day Sean's like, you know what, I already made my millions and you know, I wanna, I wanna run for governor somewhere. I wanna run for office somewhere. Okay, cool, I'm, I'm interested in politics here. How much you need for your campaign? I'm trying to raise about 20 million. Okay, let's, you know, we got some guys here. I could probably raise you 10. But let's let's do it. And we also know, hold on one second. Didn't didn't Yinka run for governor in, in, in Minnesota? Let me get, let me call Yinka. Let me see how 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 that process was for him. 
you know? And so, and so to me, I'm just, I, I think for the guys who, who are so serious about grow, leveling up and becoming the best version of yourself, that's my dream. And, 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 and then also my dream is that it's for guys to win. So it's for guys like Yinka to come and grow and blossom and say, you know what? Hey, I want to start my own Discord. I want to start my own podcast. And we're like, yo, blessings, 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 blessings. Because what happens is men like you to win as long as you're winning behind them. As long as you're winning behind them and you're, and you're winning along their lines, you see, it's, I'm telling you, I love your mentors. Your mentors are great. I hope nothing but the best for you and your mentors in the future. Things change when people view you on their level now or you're trying to get past them. The relationship changes. The advice changes. The help changes. The benefits change. There's one, oh, I'm this little kid, I'm just helping him out to now, oh, he's trying to build what I'm trying to build. To me, I love it. More winning. More success. More life. So I'm not here. I, I, want, I want the entrepreneurs. I want the innovators. I want the community creators. I want the, the next generation leaders. I want all those guys here. And I want to see them win. And so... Man, I'm excited about it, and I just, I, like I said, I've spent my life, I did preschool, I did elementary, I did middle, I did high, I did college, and with the roommates, I spent so much of my time helping young adults who were just getting their foot off the ground. Now I'm ready to teach AP Calculus. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be with the guys who are ready to go to the moon. Oh, <clears throat> absolutely just unequivocally powerful. And I hope that Sean and Zach just heard that and be like, yeah, I'm joining 100%. Because just like the initial fee, that's that's nothing in, in comparison to the value that you get out of this, but also the value you put into this. And again, I can attest to that just absolutely. And wow, I, I love that. I, I, I'm so very much looking forward to where this is going in the next couple of years, you know? So I appreciate that. No problem, man. I think I think to me the um, one of the things is just really important is that guys like you guys have other guys like you guys, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're younger, because um, it's cool when you have a ton of mentors, but you need those other young guys who are hungry like you are, who are getting after like you are. You know, it gi it gives good perspective. It gives good balance. Um, and, and it's just really helpful to be able to bounce off these ideas with other people who are crushing it. Um, and, and so to me, I just think that, man, just a lot of guys, a lot of guys are at it by themselves. And I'm just like, hey, man, we can work. We can work. You can, you can go fast. You can travel fast by yourself, but you can travel far with, with a group. Yeah. And it's just my desire to take men as far as their dreams will take them. No, again, that's beautiful. And I think within less than 10 days, I'm going to be experiencing that Miami experience. I'm super excited to hang out with you. Come yeah. back and tell them the stories, man. Uh, Sounds just, good. What we, what, we have, what we have planned is going to be out of this world. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, again, Hafiz, we want to thank you. Um, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so um, I recently started a brand new YouTube channel. You can just go to youtube.com slash Hafiz Balku, H-A-F as in Frank, E-E-Z as in Zebra. B as in boy, A-O-O-K-U as umbrella. And um, Instagram is the same um, tag, um, 
no, my Instagram is different. It's at Hafiz HTX. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. At this stage of my life, it's hard for me to respond to everybody. <laughs> I will tell you, if you, if you put in the in the first sentence. Uh, I saw you on, you know, on the on the podcast, and I will, you know, try to <laughs> flag those ones. But uh, but it's this stage of my life is just so overwhelming at times. But but no, I'm just glad to be able to to help as many people as possible, and and it's my heart's desire to continue to see more and more men win in this world. We appreciate you, and we appreciate your mission, Hafiz. Thank you so much. Any last words, Sean, Zach? So I would say two things. Number one, Yinka had already sold me on the standard before this, but hearing hearing your, your kind of testimony here the last 20 minutes, I'm, I'm through the roof sold. Like, I put in my, uh, my waitlist, I guess, confirmation thing, you know, a few months ago, and the moment that comes in, I'm, I'm jumping on it. And I would say number two, I had high expectations for this podcast, but Hafiz, you you, you knocked it out of the park. Like mm-hmm. this this was absolutely phenomenal. The the wealth of knowledge that you shared with us and the listeners, you know, we can't we can't thank you enough. We appreciate your time. We know you're busy, so taking the opportunity to have you on the show, it's it's going to pay dividends to anyone who listens to this and us as well. Yeah, of course. Agreed. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on. I agree with Sean. I'm going to be, you know, uh, looking for that same email uh, from the standard. I also put my uh, waitlist in a couple months ago. So, yeah, looking forward to no, it. No, I appreciate it. And something you guys have all sh- said and Yinka said at the beginning, and you guys say, like, man, like, you're very busy. Thank you for your time. And I don't think you guys understand. Like, it's like, this is like, you telling me thank you for my time is like telling a bird thank you for flying or a fish thank you for swimming. Like, this is like, this is my life. This is my life. Like, this is what I do. Like, this is, this is, this is my time. I'm not helping you. I'm helping. So I'm, I'm, I, this is what I want to do. So I think it's an honor and privilege to be able to link up and meet you guys. And, and to me, just, I spent so many years changing diapers, figuratively, literally, like, like changing so many, man. And I just want to invest my time into the guys, like you guys who are the future leaders of the world. Um, and, 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 and to me, this is what gives me life. It gives me meaning. It gives me, it's why I wake up in the morning. Um, so I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to meet you all. Um, I look forward to, you know, seeing you guys all in person, connecting with you all in person and building with you guys more and more, because to me, um, you guys are the future. Um, and the, the beauty about the standard is that it's all, all kinds of men and all men are equal. All men have value. All men should be respected. Um, no one's looked down upon. No one's insulted. No one's shamed. This is not a you know a, a, a Johnson measuring contest where one person has a thousand followers, another person has a million, and you're lesser than. No, no, no. It's an opportunity. Everyone here is great. Everyone here is a man of decency, a man of dignity, a man of respect. So thank you, gentlemen, so much for your time. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. So again, thank you listeners. You made it this far. What an amazing podcast episode. Um, absolute gems dropped by Hafiz. Absolutely looking forward to have you hopefully on a future podcast, maybe with Chris. I know I reached out to Chris a couple of weeks ago. He said he'd be down to join the podcast. I know we're trying to secure a date, so maybe you can help me on that one. But nonetheless, again, thank you. We thank you and we cannot thank you enough because again, we appreciate you. But yes, this was on the fly podcast. And again, for all our listeners, we thank you as well.
Thank you for listening to On The Fly, a Financial Literacy Institute podcast. If you'd like to learn more, check out our website at www.thefli.net and our Instagram at The Financial Literacy Institute. We look forward to you joining us on our next episode as we teach the financial literacy skills we should have learned in school.